This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry and with me is Tim Parrish and Clemente Lisi. And today we are going to have our Hockey for the Holidays episode where we talk about some of the great hockey-related gifts that our listeners have gotten over the years. We'll also interject a few of our own stories about cool hockey stuff we may have gotten. Of course, you can only hear my story about me getting that Wayne Gretzky overtime table hockey game back in 1994 so many times, but I never get tired of telling that story. We'll also talk about the coaching change in Ottawa, an e-bug in Dallas, and a few other odds and ends. Gents, what's going on? All good. Uh, A few people in my house have a cold, so I'm trying to stay away from them. Nobody has a cold in my house, but I'm trying to stay away from them also. Yes, avoidance. Avoidance works. That's right. Just just lay low. Because the holidays are coming up, so we're going to be with people for a while, so it's good to be siloed for a bit, right, ahead of time. Yeah. Self-quarantine, sequestered, however you want to look at it. So real quick, I just want to mention that I started a TikTok channel for Puck Junk. I actually started it a while ago. I've just been very slow at adding videos, but I added a video last week. I added a video this week, a couple of videos that I shot when I was at the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. I got one that's uh, the, the Hall of Goalie Masks where you like walk in and it's got like all these goalie masks behind glass and they're like backlit with like these blue lights. It looks really freaking cool. Uh, coincidentally, it's sponsored by Imports Dragons, who used to make hockey figures for a number of years. And then I shot another one. It's like a two minute video of just like random, I call it puck junk because that's what it is. It's puck junk, like hockey movie posters, unique hockey jerseys, video games, hockey cards, Tim, remember I was like sending you pictures from the Hall of Fame. I'm like, hey, where's this weird hockey card from? I've never seen it before. And you're like, I've never seen it before either. And then you'd figure it out and you'd be like, oh, that came with this or that was a short print or whatever. So it was a pretty cool display of like hockey memorabilia. So, you know, I started putting stuff on TikTok. I'm going to try to start posting some box breaks, especially like those boxes that have like four cards or six cards because, you know. I can just open it and show it to everybody and be done. So anyway, yeah. So TikTok, you guys on the TikTok, the tick and or talk? Absolutely not. not. No way. No way. Nope. No way. Absolutely not. I always thought that like you had to do a dance routine to be on TikTok. So I was like, that's not for me. But So hopefully Sally won't be seeing you do a jig or anything. No, I mean, that's how it started, but that's not how it's going. I don't know. I mean... I hate like the idea of like every time there's a new social media, like you have to embrace it. You have to embrace it. Like why? Like I have no use for Snapchat. Like I'm going to send right. somebody a picture that's going to disappear in an hour. Why? Like, Unless you're like a world level spy or something. I don't know why you need that. Or a teenager. I get that. I mean, there's, there are apps that like delete the messages and stuff, but I mean, that's not what I'm really about. I have used Snapchat. like, infinitesimally longer and more than I've ever looked at anything on TikTok. Yeah. I mean, my kids use it and then they'll Snapchat me video of them wherever they are. 
mm-hmm. because they have iPhones and I don't, so we don't iMessage or do any of that. The other thing just too Snapchat is, me. Yeah, the other thing is YouTube Shorts is kind of the same thing uh, as TikTok, but the only TikTok I've watched is when people send me like a link, they text me, and then I end up watching it. But otherwise, I don't. I'm not on it. Yeah, I the, the I, less reason I have to relate to the twenty somethings that I work with, the better. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, yeah, technology really has aged, or at least drive, driven a bigger wedge between generations for sure. I mean, when we think about it, when we were in our twenties, our parents were older. We still shared a common stuff like television, radio, cable, right? Like we didn't have our own thing that they were. I mean, maybe video games, but right? Even those are pretty arcane compared to. I mean, today kids got VR. You know, they have all kinds of stuff going on that we don't. That maybe we're not. When I was in my early twenties, we barely had the internet yet. (laughs) I mean, we did, but it was a mere shell of itself. Where it was just Amazon actually sold books, and Pets.com was like the biggest website in the world. And it was all dial-up, so it was slow. Yeah. 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 Also, you're you're younger than Sal and I. (laughs) <laughs> I felt cutting edge back then because I was going to an art and design college. I worked in the computer lab and that's when I started messing around with learning how to code websites. Late nineties. I felt like really freaking smart. Like, Oh, I'm learning how to make web pages. I'm so cutting edge. I'm so like ahead of the curve. And maybe I kind of was, but now I feel like that curve has like surpassed me. Now, now I had like the tail end of the curve instead of like at the forefront well, of it, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, technology's become so ubiquitous that like back then you had to be like what people would call a nerd. And now no one's a nerd for using technology. I mean, if anything, if you're not using it, they make fun of you for that. So, I mean, the, right. nerds, took over the, the nerds took over the world, right? They ended up becoming Bill Gates and. Hey, I was 20, 21, and 22 still in the 90s, so so there. So what do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about the Professional Women's Hockey League? Tim, you have thoughts on that. I have no thoughts on that, so I'm just going to listen. You have no thoughts on it? Mm -hmm. Oh, other than I'm sad that goalie tender, the mascot for the prior league is not making the jump to the new league. Like they're taking all the players from the old league, but they're not taking their mascot, the purple goalie critter thingy. I'm pretty sure they died in a fire, but yeah, I'm just speculating by that. Look, it's progressing along, you know, it's moving along, maybe not as fast as, as some people would, would want it to, but there were some developments this past week with getting the, the league up and running. Rosters got set, so. If anybody listening remembers back when we first started talking about it, you have each team's carrying a 23-person roster. Um, They decided to change the reserves from one to three, so now they get three extra people in their roster as well because I guess camps closed up and they decided, you know what, we want to give a better opportunity to some players and give them a chance to potentially get some playing time and that kind of thing, so. Rosters are set, you know, play starts January 1st, and they're trying to get things up and running. But the interesting thing that that came out this week is a lot of people on social media were posting about this, um, I don't know what you call it, a liability waiver, I guess, some kind of liability concern in the contract that the players were having to sign. There's uh, something in there that says that 
essentially by signing the waiver and agreeing to employment that you won't hold the PWHL liable for anything at all ever that happens regardless. And now you have no legal recourse against the league or your team or anything for any reason for the entire eight year duration of the collective bargaining agreement that they set up. I looked at that and I'm like, that's something because, you know, we had all this talk about why this league was needed. And one of the big things was that the PHF that existed prior to this and the separate organization that was the, the union by itself never meshed. PHF wasn't unionized. The union was separate. They were holding out for their own league. So now they come in and dissolve the PHF completely, which has already been up and running for a couple of years. And this is going to be so much better because, you know, we got a collective bargaining agreement, we've got contracts, we've got the unionized uh, workforce, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And then this leaks out that they have to sign a contract that says no matter what happens, regardless of anything, we're not responsible. That's kind of weird to me. I would think that if you have a union, they wouldn't put up with that. Like there'd be some changes to that or reworded or the attorneys would have grabbed it and done something different. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but I haven't heard much talk about it other than pointing it out. And then I saw some things going back and forth between, you know, those people that say, well, I've been an attorney for 87 years and this is this and this is that. And it's like, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but. So that came out, and then there was a lot of like hush hush whispering talk that players are upset because a lot of them haven't gotten paid yet. Um, in an interview this past week, Brian Burke was asked about that, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Everybody's going to get paid. He didn't say everybody was paid, it's basically everybody's going to get paid. What it boils down to is. Not everybody has their papers in order to play. You got Canadian players playing in U.S. teams. You got U.S. players playing in Canadian teams. Everybody needs to have their social security numbers and what's the Canada ver the SIN, I think. Right. Everybody needs to have their numbers. Everybody needs to have their papers in order, all that kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I think that's more of a paperwork kind of thing. I don't know how much I buy into that whole thing, but what affects all of us as fans and wanting to go out there is the fact that we can't buy merchandise. That's what's driving a lot of people nuts. It's Christmas time. You want to get all these people on board, get your team merchandise, get your hats, get your jerseys, get all your stuff. And the line of apparel and the merchandise that's coming from line charge, which is the company has you know hit the ground running. And then all of a sudden, most of the stuff is sold out. They don't have the right sizes. Like the women's sizing only went up to XL. And, you know, okay. But, you know, there are some uh, plus-sized people in this world that need something bigger than an XL. And there wasn't any options available for, for that. So you brought up earlier about, you know, what some of these jerseys looked like. They were kind of 
kind of weird. Um, I noticed that in the team shop, the Montreal and the Minnesota, they have M's on the shirts, mm-hmm. and they're identical. There's no difference in between them. Don't it's the jerseys M. just say like Toronto or Montreal or whatever? Yeah, they're like nondescript. You know, players have a number on them, but I don't know. I saw those, and I think I commented, I don't know if it was on Twitter or what, but I said, those look like my beer league jerseys from 10 years ago. Because, like, 10 years ago when I started playing hockey again as an adult, and this was, like, low-level D league hockey, not anything more special than that. So, you know, the fact that they just gave us jerseys that matched. Actually, even on our first game, they're like, oh, the jerseys aren't in yet. So it was just basically a glorified red hockey game, and we're all trying to – figure out like, wait, who's on my team? Like my team was like the guys in the red jerseys, yellow jerseys, and like maybe blue jerseys. I can't remember. It was just, it looked like a bunch of like lucky charms out there on the ice. And then the next week they're like, okay, the jerseys are in. And our team was just called Toronto. And so they handed me a jersey that just said Toronto across the front. I mean, it was a blue jersey with white letters that said Toronto. That was it. And you know, you're, you're you're in a pay-to-play league, so the fact that they give you a jersey is kind of cool. But when I look at like what professional players are wearing, like PWHL should have jerseys that are at least as good as ECHL jerseys. Maybe minus the 15 ads on them. You know what I mean? And the fact that they can't even do as good as ECHL is bad. And I guess they just didn't want to rush to develop logos and team identities and i guess i kind of get that but you know i mean do you want a shirt that says phf had that and they when you have a team identity people fans can latch onto that right and when you're just when you're just the washington whale when you're just the washington football team nobody cares like people just make fun of it until you come up with a name and not just the washington football team or whatever nonsense, you know. Before you could have been a fan of like the whale, a lot of a lot of people were. And it's like, you know, you could you could do that. Now you have to be a fan of the New York team. Yeah. Which isn't even really playing much in New York. But that's that's a different conversation. Here's the thing though. There's growing pains, obviously. It's a brand new league. It's got to get up off the ground. You know, people are all pushing forward to try to make this thing a success despite there being some shortcomings to a lot of this merchandise and stuff, a lot of this team items have sold out already. The big promising thing is ticket sales so far. They announced like for the Toronto team, all 12 home games are sold out and you know, the seating capacity and the arena that they're playing in is like 2,600 people, but they've sold like almost 4,000 tickets for these games. So it's basically standing room only tickets along with the suites that they've been selling. So that's promising. You know, Montreal sold out their home opener. Um, Ottawa is, from last I saw, it was close to selling out. So Minnesota's got like 3,000 seats sold already for their home opener. The Boston team is playing in Wool. The New York team is playing in Bridgeport. So... Yeah, it's that area, but Bridgeport is technically Connecticut. Well, you know what it is? They probably couldn't get the the NHL arenas because those dates are all, I mean, like Madison Square Garden in New York has the Knicks and they have concerts and 
to shoehorn in a team like this and then maybe potentially have to play in front of a really small crowd when you can see 18,000, you're not going to fill it. Well, that's I the mean, interesting thing, though. You had a team that was the Connecticut Whale in the PHF. Right. So that's the end of that. We're going to make a New York team in this new league, but all of the home games, we're going to play in Bridgeport. Well, no, because it's, it's the branding to say New York, but you know, but they're not going to be in New York because it's impossible no. to play in New York. Unless they played like where the Islanders play, a UBS arena, or if they play at the Garden. But And maybe that could happen in the future. I mean, this happened to the – in the WNBA with the Liberty, they ended up in Connecticut for a few years until they came back to New York. But you're right, no one in New York City is going to want to go an hour and a half north to Connecticut to, to watch a team they've never heard of before. So that's going to be difficult. Yeah, and then they'll, they'll get excited and then they'll go, oh, it's not really here. Right. And like I said, it's going to be growing pains. But so far, you know, the ticket sales are pretty good. So that that looks promising. Those are the slowest ones. I mean, look, it's a, it's, it's a look, it's a great option alternative because everyone here knows how expensive NHL games are, especially in these big markets like New York. I mean, I was looking for for tickets just for fun, and it's like two hundred, two fifty, three hundred dollars per seat, all the way in the nosebleeds. Doesn't matter who they're playing, when they're playing, and so that's not a realistic sort of price for anybody. And this would have been a nice option for people in these. In these markets to watch some good hockey now it seems like in montreal and toronto people are into it because hockey is such a big part of their culture they're going to go watch it doesn't matter who's playing and that's great but i don't know how it translates on this side of the border i think it's going to be difficult we've seen this with soccer and some other sports where the people are interested in watching national teams play they're interested in watching usa canada whatever the olympics and then and then it doesn't translate into generic toronto versus generic new york jersey you know and that's the big difference and then the other the only successful women's league is wmba because the nba basically supports it and that's i think the key question is whether or not the nhl would ever get involved or i mean think about it imagine having the the women's team basically play at the garden and you could do a double header i mean people would stick around for it whether it's before or after it doesn't matter and you can brand them as you know the lady rangers or whatever you want to call them i mean whatever and you see this in European soccer now, like a lot of the bigger known teams have a women's team because there's an audience for it. And a lot of kids want to see sports, but the boys and girls doesn't matter. I have a daughter. We've gone to tons of soccer games, both men and women, doesn't matter. And I'd love to do that for hockey and for other sports too. Um, look, everyone talks about how much they, women's sports are important and how they want to support them, but then they don't go. They don't go to the games. And that's really the bottom line and these leagues aren't professional and they're always rebooting right and you're always hitting the reset button to try to build something but you need to stick with it otherwise if you keep rebooting it and change the names people are going to say oh what happened in that team and then it's gone so it's something else now and well, that's the hopes that this is going to be a sustainable one with the right. organization the way we've heard it, it before though is. Before. we have and we have and that's why everybody's got their fingers crossed that this is going to be different this time and look, the point you made about people latch on more to the international side of this rather than the organized professional side of it, you're right. And the good thing that the PHL or the PWHL has going for it is a lot of these teams have rosters made up of players that are on these um, international teams. So they're familiar names. Like the Canada-US rivalry series just kicked back up again. So you've got Team USA and Team Canada playing against each other again. 
But if you look down through the rosters of all the teams, and I believe CBC Canada has these posted on their website. Like you can go to CBC Canada's page and find the PWHL, who also, by the way, we found out this week that they're going to be the TV broadcaster. They're the ones that are going to be broadcasting the games um, once they start January 1st. But um, you go down through these rosters and you look, and there's a lot of familiar names from, you know, the Olympics or the international or, you know, IHF tournaments and, and all of that kind of stuff. There's also surprisingly quite a few PHF players that did make rosters, uh, which is good. And it's a lot of familiar names from, you know, what went on in the PHF. You know, we had tournaments, we had players win and even upper deck kind of commemorated some of those moments with some of these players names that might be familiar to those that partook in the small well that's the other five, thing i mean five I seconds think, upper deck cards that were available the promo the three, cards. the three cards of the team captains yeah i'd love to have cards of like of these teams it'd be great to have like a, like a team sets or something and then i mean and that's the thing we were supposed to have the phf cards right. but then they got delayed and they got delayed and got delayed you know, because some some release schedules still have them on the uh, on their list. It's going to be a now. box set. But yeah, I mean, is it going to happen now? Or you're you still going to release a different? Yeah, because what team? happens is these these are the kind of players who will sign either in the mail or in person. And you know, once you you get the cards, they become familiar to people and to kids. Mm -hmm. And you know, mm -hmm. and then I think that having that, and I'm not saying it has to be upper deck. I know I know Parkside, which is a trading card company, they do soccer cards for women especially. And they corner the market on it. They've been pretty successful. And then people buy those cards, collect the sets. And I don't know. I feel like it would be really great. And I'm not saying Upper Deck has to do it, though. It would be kind of nice if they did. But whoever, I mean, you know, I think there's definitely room in the space here for, for that. And if you're saying the merchandise and the tickets are selling, the trading cards would be a natural. I mean, that, that'd be the first thing I think about when I'm planning a league. It's like, look, we need to have trading cards, like, early. Because you got to brand yourself somehow. And I think it'd be a huge thing. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath here because, like you said, we're waiting for cards from a now defunct league from three years ago. That's exactly it. And they've done everything in their power, PWHL. And I don't know if this is a directive from the top, but if you hear any of the officials or even any of the players, unless they were a PHF player, no one mentions those initials. They don't say it. They don't talk about it. They don't reference it. It's like... They're burying it so far in the past. There's no way this box set ever gets put out. There's no way. Who, who was behind that set? Upper deck or who was it? Yeah, it was an upper deck box set that was going to be put out like the other commemorative box sets that they do where you get the main set and then each box will have like five parallel cards in it or every 10th box might have an autograph or something, something like that. And they were supposed to look like the PHF ones that they – made available through EPAC as their promo for a while. And you could buy the EPAC cards from, from I think it was a year ago or maybe even two years ago now. Yeah, it was over a year ago. I want to say they were like back in January or last year. But yeah, it's, it's hard for Upper Deck to want to put out a set of a league that was having some problems 
and and I guess the thing is, is that like, you know, everything has to be licensed. Everything has to be approved and stuff like that. So, you know, Upper Deck could have been like, okay, we need you to approve these card designs. And they might've been like, uh, let's hold off on that for right now. Cause you know, they know something's going on. You know what I mean? Like when you're anticipating something going on, you're not going to like say, oh yeah, let's, let me approve these card designs to you. And then you can start the presses on that. If you don't think the league is going to be running in the fall, you're not going to be pushing for that. You're going to be like, all right, upper deck, let's take five. We'll reconvene about this once we know a little better. Right. I mean, look, I've joked about this before when you had like the Alliance of American football put out a set of trading cards or tops put out a set of trading cards for the AAF. And the week they came out was the week that the AAF folded, right? Like these cards were hitting the shelves the week that that league suspended operations. And then the same thing happened with the XFL, the XFL 2.0 that came out for like a hot minute. And then when those cards came out, the league suspended operations. I mean, the, the point is, is like, I would like, if I was a trading card company, I'd almost want to be like, you know what, guys, let's wait a couple of years and make sure you're establish yourself as a league, whether you're hockey league or football league or whatever. Uh, because a lot of these, you know, the way it is now, like usually companies like Upper Deck have to pay a guarantee so that, you know, that guarantee might be low, but, you know, might be still a million dollars. Like we're going to pay a million dollars up front and then a 12% royalty or whatever. Right. So they have to sell a lot to make that up. And if it's a league that's only playing 12 games a season or whatever, or it's only playing from January to June, that's a very limited time, you know, or well, January to June is pretty long, but I guess, I don't know. I would almost do like a wait and see approach. But then again, I can also understand wanting to be the trading card partner of a new league and hoping that it gets bigger and bigger and that they don't sign with fanatics in like a hurry. And also things are just so backed up. I mean, the other day I saw Upper Deck announce like She-Hulk trading cards are coming out. And I'm like, wait, wait, She-Hulk trading cards? Like that Disney Plus series from like last year? is now going to be a trading card set. I, I can't even remember if She-Hulk was last year or earlier this year, but it was like, it seemed like so late. The Loki Series 1 came out when the Series 2 debuted. Like the Series 1 cards came out when... I mean, I could kind of get that if like you're like in, into that and you you have like an ongoing series, but like when you have like non-sports cards come out so far after... Like, I mean, I remember, like, buying Topps Return to the Jedi cards back in 1983. And, like, those being on the shelves, like, when the movie was, like, in theaters. Granted, the movies were in theaters for nine months and not, you know, nine days. But still, like, timing is everything. And, you know, with COVID slowing down production, I mean, we still joke about getting, you know, 22-23 cards in 23-24. So, yeah, should be interesting to see what happens. Shall we move on? I want to talk about this e-bug. Go for it. You know, uh, we had an e-bug in, uh, well, in St. Louis, but playing for Dallas. So Dallas Stars Jake Ockinger had a lower body injury. He did not travel with the team to St. Louis. So the Dallas Stars called on a local Joe O'Brien, a Missouri native, was their e-bug. When the Stars played the Blues in St. Louis on Saturday, December 16th, Previously, he played four years of college hockey at Niagara University. Uh, so what happened was, was that the Stars have two goalies on their roster. They got Jake Ottinger. They got Scott Wedgwood. 
Ottinger's hurt. They could not call up a goalie because that would have put them over the salary cap. They have like less than half a million dollars in salary cap space, and the league minimum is like seven seventy-five. So they could not pay a goalie, so they had to sign an e-bug to a one-day emergency contract. Doesn't get paid, doesn't count against the salary cap. Now, after they did that, then they were able to call up Matt Murray from the AHL because there's this rule. I had to look this up because I hate it when articles mention something, but they don't explain it to you. And the NHL kept throwing these words around, but not explaining what it meant. And I kind of resent that like, Oh, you know, the thing that we never talk about. Well, it's that thing, right? So they said here, um, let's see, it was the roster emergency exception rule. Oh yeah, of course, the roster emergency exception rule. I mean, we talk about that all the time, right? No. So uh, after a little bit of uh, looking around, uh, basically it's like this. If your team plays a game where you dress less than 18 skaters or you dress less than two goalies, then you're allowed to call somebody up from the minors and go over the cap limit. So after they played one game with an e-bug, then it was like they were able to invoke this rule and then call up Matt Murray from the uh, Texas Stars of the AHL. Uh, so anyways, good for Joe O'Brien to get to be a NHL backup goaltender, an emergency backup goaltender for a game. He's actually come close a couple of times. He's made it as far as the locker room, but this is the first time he actually got to sit on a bench. Now I'm always a little sad when they don't get to play for like a minute or two minutes or you know, in the case of, uh, you know, Scott Foster, you know, 15 minutes <laughs> or in the case of David Ayers, you know, a period and a half. Right. I mean, that almost never happens. But when they get to play like three minutes, two minutes, a minute, 30 seconds, you kind of feel good for them. But whatever. So just crazy NHL rule with that exception. What did they call it here? The roster emergency exception rule. Yeah. Do you think you'll see like a game dated moments card or? Young guns or nothing? Who knows? We won't have a young gun. Sorry to all you investors out there, but there won't be a Joe O'Brien. Young guns always fun. One game. No, I know. But well, George Elvez had a young gun, but that was a giveaway at Raleigh area card shops. And he played like seven seconds or something for the Canes. And that was like their longtime equipment manager suiting up as their goalie. And David David Ayers. Yeah, he had a young yeah, gun, and that was in the SP Authentic set as a short print. So, of course, that just burns all our butts, right? Because it's a hard-as-hell card to get. Right. You know, it goes above market value because it's it's harder to find. And the guy's a legend, you know? So, Scott Foster got a card in OPG. He was a marquee rookie. I think it's kind of up to the player and the card company and i think that like if they actually play in the game set foot on the ice and play like a second or more then they're considered a player and i think like when you don't actually step on the ice as a backup goaltender you're still well you're you're considered a goalie that can be put on a trading card if you're like on a roster like if are they are they in the union or not they're, They're not because it's a one-day thing. So, like right. when you so the card could be issued by, by the trading card company, regardless of what the union says, correct? I'm sure that has to be worked out. 
there'd have to be a demand for it because no manufacturer is going to jump in and just be like, oh, look at this weird novelty. Oh, look, if the e-bug has a shutout or they win the game or something, I can see that more than like. Well, that's oh, different. Yeah, then the guy lost or he played like one period. Then there's no demand for that card. If they actually get in the game and play, all bets are off. Yeah, I mean, Scott Foster was like international news when he played for the Blackhawks because it was a big team. It was, you know, the Blackhawks. It was against Winnipeg. So, you know, international, right? U.S. team, Canadian team. This was talked about in Europe. Everybody was talking about the accountant in Chicago who became a goaltender for the Blackhawks for a night, right? This was a big story. And uh, he didn't have any cards at the end of that season. I asked Upper Deck and they said that he, he politely declined, which I thought was interesting because Scott Foster used to collect hockey cards when he was a kid. He used to stuff cards in his skates when he was a kid for good luck. I guess those cards weren't... Uh, <laughs> they were a little sweaty. Or a little sweaty. Didn't remain in mint condition after that. But then he was quietly put in as an Opeachy Marquee rookie the next season. And then with David Ayers, that was the opposite. There was a game dated moment, and there was the um, the, uh, the the young gun. You know, so yeah, it it happens. I mean, uh, Eric Simborski, he had a tops now card in the tops skate app which we've talked about digital trading cards before, and we really don't need to talk about them again. But, you know, if you like having the card on your phone, here it is. You know, I mean, there you go. I mean, guess you could print it out. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just kind of funny. Like, technically, the first ever Vegas Golden Knights trading card was a Tops Now card on the Top Skate app. Go figure. Just little little tidbit there for you. So... They do kind of do stuff, but, you know, it's kind of like air. Air exists, but we don't see it, right? We don't really think about it unless we, we need it. Plus the, whole, plus the whole point of trading cards and memorabilia is, is, is tangible. I mean, if I want a picture on my phone, then I'll just go on eBay and snap, like, screenshot a Gretzky rookie and then say, hey, look, I have a Gretzky rookie on my phone, but it's not the same thing. So no, I, I don't know. I know we're that's a total tangent to talk about e cards and all that, but I don't I don't yeah. think it's, it's going to be a thing. Even younger people don't care for that because they either don't care about cards at all or they don't care, but they don't want the electronic stuff. Nobody does. Let's talk about DJ Smith getting fired in Ottawa. I really don't want to talk about the Ottawa Senators, but you guys brought it up, so let's talk about that. Who had on their bingo card that there'd be four coaches fired before Christmas? That's a lot. That's a lot of coaches. You had Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton, Dean Evanson for the Wild, Craig Berube like last week for the Blues, and now DJ Smith, which of all of those out of that entire group, other than Woodcroft, I think Smith probably should have been higher up. Like definitely like fired Craig sooner. Berube. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, they're stuck in the middle of another losing season. I mean, they've missed the playoffs four straight seasons under this guy. And the writing was on the wall like a couple weeks ago when the team hired back Jacques Martin, not to be a coach, but to be a coaching advisor. Like, what even is that? That's not even a position. They made up a position for a longtime coaching great, 
NHL legend to come in who previously had been a coach for Ottawa. I mean, he was a good coach for Ottawa. They took them to the to uh, back in 03, I mean, when they had their really good season. He was their coach. So, I mean, he was there forever. But you don't bring in a person like that who potentially could be a head coach to be an advisor to your coach. Come on. I mean, that was questionable, and right there you knew that they lost basically all faith in DJ Smith at that point. So now Jacques Martin is their coach, the interim coach, I guess. So, but yeah, I totally expected Smith to be, be on the chopping block well before this. I mean, the crowds chanting fire DJ at the games half the time, you know, he's, you know, Pierre Dorian already got canned. So, you know, the new owner of the team came in and was like faced with all sorts of crap right off the bat, half of which he wasn't disclosed to, didn't know about, you know, them being penalized and losing draft picks. He acted like it was the first he was hearing about it and all this kind of stuff. It's a mess. It's a, It was an absolute mess. And for Ottawa being high on a lot of people's sleeper picks this year as being a potential playoff team, considering that young core group that they have, they should be way better than they are right now. And they're just not doing it. So obviously he's not the guy to lead that locker room. I was no. actually surprised that Baruby was fired, and I was surprised that Jay Woodcroft was fired. Well, actually, not surprised that Woodcroft was fired, but I, can you blame him? There had so much goaltending problems. When has Edmonton not had goaltending problems? Uh, back when Grant Fear played for them. Uh, yeah, and that was thirty Wait, no, years ago. I take That's that back. Lot. No, Bill Ranford, eighty-nine, ninety. Okay, that's rock solid in net when they won the cup. Okay. Any time where I wasn't in middle school still. I mean, have they had exactly. an awesome goaltender since then? They probably I mean, they've had, had a one. Lot. They've had a lot of well, Cujo, decent goaltenders. Curtis Joseph played for them, and actually he played very well for them. They've had decent ones, but when they had decent goaltenders, they didn't have a decent front. Now they have arguably one of the best offenses in all of hockey, and they have for the last few years but they can't get it right on the back end. And we've talked about that numerous times on the show about how they should be a juggernaut of a team every single year, but they can't fix the back end either on defense or in the, in the net. So Woodcroft was no surprise to me. The one that kind of shocked me was Dean Evison. Yeah. I didn't expect Dean Evison to get canned, but Bill Guerin obviously doesn't want to wait around for things to turn, you know, Kaprizov is a shell of himself compared to what he has been. Like this year, he's non-existent. And they've had their own issues in goal. They finally got Gus playing decently, who, of course, lost tonight. Thank God. Um, well, I'll tell you this. I mean, I, I'm surprised that the David Quinn over at the Sharks didn't lose his job before all these guys. I mean, this is a team that is off to, like, a terrible start. Probably has the worst record in the league now, I think. I don't think there were expectations there. For the show, no, I, I know, think everybody but... went into that knowing that this was going to be just the let's bath. put down as much garbage on a piece of paper as we can and hope for the best, right? And I think that's kind of what the Sharks have been this year. Well, the funny thing is, the Sharks don't have much different record than the Blackhawks, right? But because of 
Bedard and all that other, other energy around that team, I think that there's more excitement there anyways. I mean, so it's a little it's, it's, too much excitement. If you ask me, I mean, I see so much garbage, garbage articles. I got to get off of Facebook. There's so much freaking garbage that I don't subscribe to that. I don't like when I mean, like I'm going to I don't click the like button. Right, because when you click the like button, then you get notifications and stuff shows up in your feed and stuff. But it shows up in your feed anyway. I mean, but there's this garbage like hockey beast and hockey informer and hockey insider, and I just call them all hockey garbage and hockey bullshit because that's what they are. And it's like Blackhawks coach explains why he benched Connor Bedard. No, he didn't bench Connor Bedard. He didn't play him as many shifts in the third period when they were protecting a one nothing lead because they wanted to have more veterans out there to basically shut down the other team because they were like, holy shit, we're protecting a one nothing lead. Let's get this shut out. Maybe let's not put so much pressure on our rookie center. You know what I mean? Yet they always spin it like, oh, he got benched in the game. And it's like, no, he didn't get benched. You just, he just yeah. played less. Connor Bedard sits for 38 minutes of this game. You were like, what? How could you do that? <laughs> but then you go, well, wait a minute, but he still skated 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All that stuff is clickbait. It's we all clickbait. Talk it's all season. You know, when we talked about this, we were like, look, Bedard's the real deal. Watching him play, he's the real deal. He will be good in the NHL. He will be good his first year. He may not be win rookie of the year, but he will be good, although he's on pace to do so. But there's no one around him. He does not have a surrounding cast and the rotating players that they keep moving up to his line and shifting around to try to make stuff work. It's not, it's him and a bunch of other guys. That's the Blackhawks right now. Well, the Blackhawks have got a lot of injuries and then Corey Perry getting tossed off the team. So, I mean, you had Taylor Hall go down, he's injured for the season and that's too bad because he was, a big part of that trade with Boston. I mean, he was a good ad for the team, Taylor Hall. I mean, I was really excited about him joining the Blackhawks. And then you got Andreas Antonisiu, who is like fast. He is fast. And I remember uh, in a preseason game, he and Bedard had like a good thing going, like passing the puck to each other for a goal. Again, it was a preseason game. So Take that for what it was. But, I mean, he could keep up with them. I mean, they were both fast guys. And I'm just like, okay, Anthony Sioux's out. So he's out. Paul's out. And then we lost Corey Perry. You know, he's out too. Kevin Korczynski, our rookie defenseman, has been hurt. So there's been a lot of problems just keeping guys in the lineup. I mean, they keep calling up players from Rockford. The goaltending has been streaky. I mean... Mrazek has a shutout, but then, you know, in the next game, he allows four goals in the game that the Blackhawks could have won. I mean, so they have their own problems. They're, I feel like they're doing a little bit better than the Sharks, but not by much because you look at like those teams like the Sharks and the Hawks and the Blue Jackets, and they're all like close to the bottom. Yeah. Um, I mean, the bottom teams that we thought were going to be the bottom teams are the bottom teams this year. But nobody and... expects Edmonton to be a bottom. Like, to, I'm not saying they're at the bottom, but no, they aren't now. But you know, they were. They're not, yeah, they're inconsistent. I mean, they were very inconsistent, and they were on a losing streak. And it was just like you can only take so much, and it's like there's no way this team should be underperforming. So you can't fire the team, so you got to fire the coach, and that happens every single time. It, right. 
that's what happened. You know, the Blues. Look at the Blues. The Blues shouldn't be playing like like they were. Craig mm-hmm. Ruby won them a cup. He should be like he should have a statue made out of him in St. Louis. They've never had a cup. He brought them a cup, but yet he can't because you can't fire the team. The team's playing like crap. Trust me, if you could fire the team, I would have fired my Steelers like six weeks ago. But you can't fire a team, and that's just the world we live in. So now we got another fired coach. That's four before Christmas. Who knows? Will we get another one before? It's not like the interesting thing though is Alfie's on the bench now in Ottawa, right next to Martin. So that'll be interesting. Daniel Alfredson. Yep. Nice. Um, so that'll be that, that'll be interesting, but yeah, it's just this revolving thing. You know what they say: coaches are hired just to be fired. Clemente, you had something to add? No, I don't think there'll be another one before Christmas because that'll be kind of heartless. But I can see it happening before New Year's even, and, and, and definitely January. So you know, this could be we could be on pace to have lots of coaches fired. Maybe I don't know what the record is, but. I know one year we had like seven coaches fired in a season, like seven or eight. Yeah, we're at four, so I mean we're we're not that far away, and we're only like three months in, so I don't know, could be right. Yeah, every year I do my annual rookie cards of NHL head coaches blog post, and I didn't get a chance to do that before the start of the season, and then every time I turn around, another coach is getting fired. You got to do it at the all-star break or something. Yeah. I got to find that just like that little window. I mean, I might try to put up something January one because it's just like, because it doesn't necessarily have to go up at the beginning of the year. It just has to be current as of when I write it, because it's just a fun article. Like when you had somebody like Jeremy Colleton, who used to be the head coach of the Blackhawks, because he has like a cup RPA from 0506. You know what I mean? Like, so like, he's like the only coach of that group to have like an autographed patch rookie card. But yeah, so we need the coaches to stop getting fired for a while so I can write that article. Hey, speaking of Jeremy Culleton and his cup card, the yeah. cup comes out this week. So happy cup week, gentlemen. All right. How much is a box going to cost us, Tim? I think it's $1,200. I think. For a 10, box? 10, 1099 at DNA. 1099 For six cards? Six cards. Dude, I Three remember autos. when I was... How much was it when you bought a box like 10 years ago? Was it like 500 a box? Uh, it's close to six. And that's for what? Six yeah. cards? Yeah, six cards. Three autos, one base card, and two some type of insert, whether it's memorabilia okay. or something else. No, I said at $600, you take a flyer on it. But at $1099, I don't know. Like, you can buy I want to say it was six or 700 but that was 2010. You can buy a great card for $500 and get the cards you want as opposed to the six you don't want or you don't know what you're going to get. Well, and here's the other thing. It's 21-22, so we already know about this rookie class. We already know what's been going on. Arguably, if it's a, a softer rookie class than the previous year. Is there anything in it? Yeah, there's there's some stuff in it. And the rookie update, I did see that they threw in uh, Robertson's in there for the 2021 update portion mm-hmm. of it. Somebody else jumped off the page, but now – now it escapes me, but the checklist came out like a week or so ago, week or two ago, and it's supposed to hit on the 20th. So, yeah, pre-sales on it were, were up there. Uh, I think I saw on DA it was 10.99 for a box. I saw somewhere else it was like 11.29, and 
I didn't see anything under a thousand, so Ugh. it's pretty much your pretty much your cards. sweet spot, thousand to eleven hundred. And you're gonna get three autographs, and 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 they're gonna be of guys who are now playing in the AHL or the KHL. Yeah, it's one RPA, it's one rookie auto, and it's one other auto. So it could be a veteran, could be a Hall of Famer, could that be, could be exciting. That could be like Mario Lemieux or somebody cool. Could be. I, I assume it would be Mario somebody like that, and not like you know, Darren Turcott. No offense to Rangers fans listening, and. Actually, I would like a Darren Turcott autograph. I might even have one or two or five of them in my collection already. But you know what I mean? Like when I think of like, who would I want an autograph of in like a set like the cup? I would think like, yeah, Steve Eiserman or, you know, Mike Vernon or Patrick Waugh or Wayne Gretzky or yeah, I know I'm I'm kind of aiming high here. But when you pay eleven hundred bucks for a box, come on. Well, everyone wants yeah. that. Right. <laughs> and, they're, and they're not going to get it. It's high yeah. risk, medium reward. I would say. Got to be like yeah. a big, or or you can go to the expo and then people have like cards from those boxes, like in in uh, for fifty dollars because yeah, they just, because they they ripped a lot of it and they don't want it. And then you like, oh, fifty dollars for the a cup card? I'll take it. You know, I think yeah. that, that that Toronto card I bought was a cup card from like whenever it was. And, well, uh, I've seen breaks pre-selling for breaks. You can jump in on teams for anywhere between 150 and 200 bucks for most of them. I've seen case breaks at eight, nine hundred by themselves. Ugh. Let's say you wanted the Blackhawks, for instance. It's like seven, eight hundred bucks for a case. And what are the odds? What are you, What are you going to get? Five? You got five card or six cards in a box? You got. Five boxes in a case, case, or five boxes in a in a half case, and then ten in a full case. So there's sixty total cards. You're shot maybe, at getting a bunch of maybe two cards. Your team, Blackhawk yeah. cards, maybe. If yeah. it was an even split among like the thirty-two teams or whatever, you'd get. You'd have to look at the checklist to see who has the best odds. To Come on, I'm just I'm just generalizing here. If there's only sixty cards total in a case and there's thirty-two teams, I know it doesn't split evenly, but you're not going to get like six cards. You're going to pay eight hundred dollars for two cards and hope they're not base parallels or something. I did see a couple people post on social media about cup coming out people are just way too excited Whoa. about this stuff it's so not affordable anymore it's just it stopped being fun i used to watch people at a local card shop that i used to go to and they would buy the higher end stuff like they'd buy the cup or they'd buy buy like exquisite i'm talking now like maybe in like basketball or something or sweet spot you know like these couple hundred dollar a box kind of cards where you get like maybe three cards for 400 or something and they would get some really nice stuff and it was fun to watch people break that but now that you're like at a grand you're like at almost 200 dollars a card it just i don't know well what i was going to say is i saw a couple of people post excited about it because they were look they were going bedard hunting and I couldn't help but laugh. Oh my! That's what I was gonna say. It was like I'm I'm waiting for the the people to post their online rants on TikTok. Like, there's no Connor Bedard in this 21-22 the cup set. What the heck? Yeah, but he he is in artifacts. What? So, which what? Twenty three, twenty four artifacts. Yeah, artifacts came out this past week. Okay, cool. There's uh, all of those redemption cards are 
flying off the shelves on eBay. Not so fast, Kowalski, because we have a few Blackhawk rookies this year that could be one of those redemptions. So it's not necessarily going to be Connor Bedard. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen the checklist, but. Well, the draft pick cards will be. The number one draft pick card. Well, of course. Um, And two is Fantilli and three is, I forget who now, Mr. Irrelevant, I guess, at that point. But he does have a. A Team Canada card. It's the um, 05, 06 artifacts throwback mm-hmm. retro, but he's pictured in a Team Canada jersey. And those have been selling for st- stupid dollar figures. <laughs> I don't know. It's like I said, it's like- all going to come crashing down as soon as well, Series 2 comes out. Like I said in one of the past newsletters that I sent out, when I find the new cards to be too expensive, I pivot and I start looking backwards at stuff. You know what I mean? And I say, okay, well, I don't want to spend that much on a new card, but here are some older cards that are less money that I would probably enjoy more, that I will enjoy more. Clemente, like you said, you know, if I'm going to spend a thousand on a card, I'm going to buy a Gretzky rookie and not a card that came out 10 minutes ago. Right. Yeah. No, I, it's I for you. Agree. Absolutely. So, I finally got around, I had to do this before the calendar year ended, I finally got around to posting the Puck Junk Bad Hockey Card Hall of Fame Class of 2023 edition. So 10 more cards have been inducted into the Bad Hockey Card Hall of Fame. I feel like this is a pretty solid class of bad hockey cards. I mean, you might argue about some of them, but then again, we would do that with like the real Hall of Fame where we'd be like, maybe that player shouldn't be in the hall because he was pretty good and not hall of fame worthy or whatever but you can only induct pavel bure on rollerblades once you know what i mean and i mean listen i don't even think the brian pitton card that i will talk about till the end of time because it's the back of his freaking head i think that flew under most people's radars but it's like such a terrible card i mean unless you bought score in 10 11 but it's such a terrible card. It just needed to be there. You know what I mean? And then there's like a whole generation of people who don't know about the airbrushed OPG cards from like the eighties and the airbrushed tops cards from like the, you know, sixties, seventies and eighties. So I feel like it's my res- responsibility to, you know, let people know about these, these bad cards. Not to be know. the actually guy, but technically you can bring in two Pavel Bure on rollerblade cards. Oh, the one with his brother. Yeah. Yes. He was also mm-hmm. that famous one with uh, Doug Way and Tony Almonte and, and another Ranger, and they're in the. Oh, that actually, was last year. That was inducted last okay. year. They're actually in the water. So basically, yep. every so the entire upper deck photo shoot from the beach is gonna is in the uh, is in the Hall of Fame now. I think pretty much, except for the Pavel Bure and Valerie Bure uh, Bloodlines card. Okay, it was always next year. Part of it is just like kind of like. The real hockey hall of fame, they don't induct five builders in a year. They might induct one or two, but they're not going to do five. It was sure. really odd that they did so many goalies in one year, but they did, I guess, because they really hate Jeremy Roenick so much that they just won't let him in. <laughs> and now they don't have to induct any more goalies for another five years. Although they should induct Curtis Joseph. Yeah, he may get inducted. He may get inducted. I think Mike Richter should be in the Hall of Fame. but that's I, I'm still surprised that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I said Curtis Joseph, and I was racking my brain to remember if Mike Richter was in or not, and he's, yeah, he's not. not. Yeah, he's not. He should and, be. I mean, he played for the U.S. He won a cup. I don't know. He played for many, many years. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Olympic silver medalist, World Cup of Hockey gold medalist, Stanley yeah. Cup winner, did everything. Did he win a Vezina? I don't know. I don't think so. But you know what? I mean, look, you had a span where the Vezina was either Patrick Waugh, Ed Belfour, Dominic Hasek. He's playing the right? top eight there, yeah. So if you're not one of those goalies. You're not going to win it. Yeah, and I'm not saying that there weren't exceptions to that. Hasek won it five times. It was just really tough. It's like saying, did, did the player win the scoring title? Well, no. Well, then he shouldn't be in the hall, right? It's like, well, only one guy wins wins the scoring title in a year, right? Only one goalie wins the Vezina. From 89 to 99, if your name wasn't Hasek, Belfour, or Wah, there's only one other person that won one. Who was other it? Other than those guys. Jim oh, Carrey. Oh, that's right. Ninety-six, not the actor. No, Correct. no. The you made a movie called The Mask, but that's a different story. Yes. Yeah, the irony <laughs> so, of that. The irony of that. So yeah, so this year's uh, Bad Hockey Card Hall of Fame, we have a uh, goalie Caesar Maniago with the Vancouver Canucks, looking all ridiculous on a airbrushed card. We have Doug Waite standing on the beach. The skates over his shoulder, another ridiculous card. I mean, I guess you can just, I'll just put the link in the comments. You could look at all of them. But I, uh, oh, by the way, I still have some of those sets to give away the Bad Hockey Card Hall of Fame sets that I was giving out over the summer in the, in the fall. So if you want one, just hit me up. I'll send you one, six cards. Will like, there be a series two? Yes. I just need to figure out which cards I'm going to put folks. into it. You heard it here first, folks. We just broke the news. Breaking news. There will be a series two. I think every year that I do a national, I'm going to have some sort of giveaway. Like in 2021, my giveaway were masks, you know, because everybody was still masking because of COVID. So I had masks with like the Puck Junk logo on it. And in 2022, I don't think I actually had giveaways. I think I just had stickers, like little stickers. Who cares? Like little logo stickers. The kids like them. Yeah, the kids uh, and- loved them in Atlantic City. Remember the stickers? They were big. Yeah, and then like people, like even people with like the cases, if they were into hockey, they would take one and put it on their case. So that was cool, you know. And then last year or this year, I should say, twenty twenty three. We're still in twenty twenty three. I did um, t shirts and I did those trading cards and the, you know the t shirts with the puck junk logo. And I'll have to get more of those made up. And uh, yeah, I'll have to do a series two bad hockey card Hall of Fame set. I'll just have to pick which cards are going to go in it and. Maybe plan it a little, well, I don't say plan it better, but maybe not print it up like two weeks before the show and keep my fingers crossed that they arrive in the mail, you know, because I always get these great ideas like last minute and it's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I got to make this happen, right? But it happened. So holiday stuff. I'll share a few stories here. You guys can interject. So somebody replied to the newsletter when I put out the you know, the request, only one person replied to the newsletter, but that's okay because tons of people replied on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, so I got some good stories here. So via the newsletter, Michael said, simply it was a box of 9091 Pro Set Series 1 hockey cards from Santa. I would have been 10 years old at the time and only ever bought packs. So a whole box just blew my mind, and it was my favorite Christmas morning ever. Equally enjoyable for my parents as well, as they didn't get woken up for quite some time that Christmas morning, LOL. So yeah, getting a whole box of Pro Set cards. 
that's a good present. That's the era where, like, we all grew up buying packs. So whenever there was any kind of box situation at Christmas, it was like, or anytime really, it was really unique. Now we just buy boxes, we rip them, like it's like whatever. Back then, you had to save all your pennies, your allowance, and then you had to buy like two, three, four packs, whatever, a week, like Friday, whatever it was, or, or Saturday morning. I go to the LCS Saturday morning, and Saturday was like my just trading card day. Like I would go to a show maybe, and or go to the store and and buy cards, and it was it's cool. It's like a lot of you know. I still remember card. If I look at cards now, I can still tell you, oh yeah, I I, I know where I was when I ripped this. Probably in the street. Like I, I wouldn't even get home. I open it as I walked home. And some of those memories again in the boxes at Christmas, if you got any like box sets are always kind of cool. Speaking of box sets, so on Twitter, Dre aka Schmecky10 said that he got for one Christmas, he got a box of 9091 Pro Set Series 2. He got that one Christmas. And then the next Christmas, he got a box set of 9293 OPG hockey. So he got the factory set. You know, I remember one year back in, actually it was one year, it was Christmas of 90. I remember my uncle Pat bought me a box of pro set cards, series one, but it was missing like four packs or whatever. So I open it and it, it was a box that had been open. It still had the lid on it, but it had been, you know, torn open. And then he handed me another smaller present and I opened it and he's like, I realized it was missing four packs, but then I found another four packs. So he basically gave me another four packs to like complete the box. Although I think he might've given me something like 38 or 48 packs or whatever. Cause he's like, Oh, that box wasn't full. So he found some more packs and he's, bought those too. So he's the originator of what they call the Frankenstein box where like people search the box and then they try to recreate it by putting all these other packs in there, and whatever. But no, that's cool though. I mean, you know why? Because back then he probably had to buy the box. He probably said to the guy, I'll just buy all the packs and I can get the rest of the box. And the guy's like, sure, because nobody bought a box back then. You know? Right. So another story, um, this is by a Twitter. So uh, it goes by the name of Prime Bane. He said, probably the Oilers copper and blue away jersey in 96-97. It was a hot commodity at the time and near impossible impossible to find in a store unless you stumbled across them a la cabbage patch kids somehow my amazing parents found one and i still have it and in another related story on twitter this gentleman goes by the name of gentleman ball aka o-m-g-i-t-s-g ball whatever okay that's why I like puck junk. It just rolls off the tongue. And Anyway, so a gentleman ball says, Christmas 1990, I got a Pat LaFontaine Islanders jersey. I think it was the only thing I asked for Christmas. Islanders stunk, but he was my favorite player. He was traded about a year later, and I followed him to Buffalo, and I've been a Sabres fan ever since. So we got two jerseys, and in another jersey story, Jeff Wildman via Facebook said he got a Blackhawk jersey with Griswold 00 on the back. And he says, my wife got this for me in 2012. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation has been my favorite Christmas film since forever. And I was a big Hawks fan as a kid. So having a nice jersey was great. This was perfect. So, yeah, people getting jerseys. You hate that movie, Kalani, don't you? Which one? Christmas Vacation. I'm wearing the shirt. Yeah, I right. know. That's why I made the joke. 
No, I know. No, that's no, that you gotta watch. You know, it's funny. Like, I love all these Christmas movies they're on right now, and then like I show them to my kids, and they're like, "I don't get why this is funny." This '80s humor is lost on these people today. So, here's a funny story about that one. Mm-hmm. I always did the same thing for my kids. Like, I'd make them watch all the Christmas movies and stuff. Home Alone, and, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they would they liked Home Alone, obviously, because it's a kid, so they can relate because they're a kid. Right. But, like, they never really got a lot of the other stuff. But now that they're older, now they like, because they can, they get the humor, they get the yeah. jokes, it's starting to click now, and they understand it. So, yeah. So I was in the same boat where I'm like, why don't they like this? This is just so classic. Right. Now they're like, oh, like, now they've got that, you know, I don't yeah, know, if it's yeah. a more mature yeah, sense of humor. Yeah, maybe you have to come back to it, that kind of thing. I mean, look, th- these movies will be on cable for the rest of our lives and, and our kids' lives, so they better like them at some point because it, it's all it's on TV all the time. So they still don't like Christmas Story as much as I do. That's my that favorite. one is a little that that one that's even before our generation. So we, you know, I like Christmas Story. So all right, a few other stories here. So another uh, Jersey story uh, via Facebook, Austin Hancock says, my first Sabres jersey, quotes, it was a glorified T-shirt in retrospect, but as a child of a family who couldn't afford the real deal, it was everything to me. So it's like a, almost looks like a football jersey with like a Sabres logo on the front. That's cool. And then. Well, uh, it's cool when you have, when you remember getting like a, you know, because yeah, remember jerseys are expensive now. They were expensive back then too. Yeah. So. I mean, I remember. I remember back in the day, a jersey was 50 bucks. Like, and that was for like the CCM jerseys that would still pill, you know. But I remember right. a jersey was 50 bucks. And then if you wanted customized, it was another 50 bucks. Now I wish you could get them customized for 50 bucks because I feel like the jerseys have gotten a little more affordable. I remember like one year my mom got me a red Blackhawks jersey, a white Blackhawks jersey and a black NHL all-star jersey. So I got those three jerseys in, like, one year, like, for one Christmas. So I, I went from, like, having my aunt's Tony Esposito jersey that I kind of borrowed, like, indefinitely to, like, having three of my own jerseys. So that was awesome. Cool. So uh, let's see here. So, uh, oh, uh, our friend Chris Warsack, he's the owner of Niagara Sports Cards in Niagara Falls, New York. He said, the best Christmas gift I ever got, I had to share with my twin brother. My dad had a guy at work weld a net for us. We were the only kids in town that had a real deal hockey net. And my gramps would get me a new stick every year for Christmas. So, hey, he got a hockey net for Christmas. That's pretty badass. And then kind of playing off of that, Miles S, a.k.a. Hockey Card Nostalgia, via Instagram, great account, by the way, Hockey Card Nostalgia on Instagram. My all-time favorite hockey gift would have to be the Road Warrior set of street hockey goalie pads I got for Christmas when I was 8 or 10. Glove, blocker, pads, helmet. I had those pads for years, and they saw a lot of hockey. I got street hockey gear one year. What'd you get? It was all Milex stuff. I had the Mylac blocker pads. I had the I had the Mylac waffle. I got a mask that I took a Sharpie to and made a design on it because they were the white, mm-hmm. kind of the white um, 
Pelly Lindbergh style masks. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, like I, the like the ones with the eye holes cut in, like an old school Jason type of mask. Kind of, but you know, a little more goalie style instead of like just flat. But right, right, I, yeah. I took my, I made like a starburst out of like the black. I didn't have the Mylac glove though. I used my baseball mitt. Baseball mitt was better. I thought so. Yeah, I I thought so too. Just having used street hockey gear and also using like a baseball glove. The baseball glove was better. Like just better Mine feel. was so broken in and silky smooth. Mm-hmm. That's why I use it. And it made and it was leather, so it made that nice sound when like the hockey puck hit it. The the ball, the street hockey ball hit it. I never had goalie gear as a kid. Like street hockey goalie gear. We always talked about buying nets. We never did. My aunt and uncle they had a company and they had some people that worked for them like bend us pipe to make us our own nets and then i remember like me and i think my aunt like put the netting on one and it just took a long ass time to do it and then we never bothered doing it with the other one and they were like so big and so hard to move into the alley that we only really used them like half the time and you know unless you have like a space to put them and a space to play with them they're you know like i had a friend try to give me a hockey net he's like hey i'm quitting hockey i got a brand new net Six by four, do you want it? I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, nah, do I want it? Yes, but realistically, where am I gonna put it? Where is it gonna go? I can't fold it and put it under my bed when I'm not using it. And then when I take it out of there, where am I gonna go with it? You know what I mean? So it's, it's, you gotta have like nets when we were kids were so crappy, they were just poorly made. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, the metal tubes that slid into each other, mm-hmm. and that. Half the time, the net, if you didn't put it on just right, it was always so tight that as soon as you shot a ball into it, it fell over all the <laughs> yeah, time. Exactly. Oh, those, they were the worst. Yeah. Like everybody that had a dad that was handy with anything, we would always beg them to try to make us one out of like PVC. But so, a couple of quick stories here via Facebook. David Williams said his first ever Blackhawk jersey, home white, Belfour number 30. Steve Penhacker, who's the guy that I set up with at the Chicago Sports Spectacular, he said that he got a table hockey game for Christmas, Blackhawks versus Maple Leafs. Didn't give me much more detail about that, but this would have been like the early 70s, so Blackhawks versus Maple Leafs. Didn't have too many teams back then. Could have been late 60s. Frank Caputo, owner of AU Sports in Morton Grove. Um, I've known him a long time. He got a Bobby Hull table hockey game. So a lot of these like baby boomer generation people, they talk about getting a table hockey game because I mean, back then those were kind of expensive. I have a Franklin rod hockey game over there. I think it cost $19.99. Uh, Franklin was kind of cheap though. Like it wasn't like those old Coleco's. Oh, it's like, way cheap. Yeah. I had to, I had to glue like three of the guys back onto their posts. <laughs> so uh, Chad, Radesi, a.k.a. Chad underscore Radesi on Twitter, said his favorite hockey gift, hands down, it was 1991, I believe. I got the Wayne Gretzky overtime hockey table. Quite possibly my favorite gift ever. Still have it in the box. Wish I could find someone with the accessories I never got. So the Wayne Gretzky table hockey game was sold in Canada, then it came to the U.S., and 
I remember like you'd find it at places like Toys R Us or Gamers Paradise, and they would sell like the team packs of, you know, five skaters and a goalie. And they had all 21 teams, all 22 teams, all 24 teams. Like they keep, you know, they keep like adding the teams and um, like changing their uniforms and stuff. Cause I remember like they went from like the uh, old penguin jerseys to like the new penguin jerseys. You know, they did the same thing with like the North stars to like the black North star jerseys. And then the, eventually the Dallas stars jerseys. I remember getting that table hockey game, the Gretzky table hockey game in like 94. And I asked for it every year from like 89, 90, 91, 92, 93. And then finally in like 94, I asked my mom for this present. And she's like, you've asked me for this for every year. And I go, yeah. And every year you don't buy it for me. And she's like, you're 19 years old. I'm not going to buy you a toy. I'm like, well, next year I'll be 20 years old and I'm still going to ask for it. Oh, by the way, it's now on clearance for like 60 bucks or something. I mean, it was like a $130 table hockey game, which was a lot of money in like 1990. I might be off on that. I'll have to look at mine and see if it has the old price tag on it. But it was an expensive game. If you're like Franklin was like 20 bucks and then like maybe your Coleco was like 60 bucks. This was like twice that. But it was on clearance. And then my mom was like, okay, fine. I'll get you the stupid game. What else do you want for Christmas? And I'm like, and I want the accessory pack, which had like the glass, the scoreboards, the benches, the clock, you know, it had all the little extras, you know. And then I remember like then the team packs were marked down to like five bucks. And then like my birthday was right around the corner. So then my girlfriend was like, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, buy me sharks and black hawk team packs from gamers paradise because they were only like five bucks man if i could go back in time i know we always regret about like the things we didn't buy but like i wish i could have gone back and just bought all of those team sets even when they were like five bucks but i mean i just didn't have the money they used to sell like twenty dollars you know so anyway yeah do you guys ever get a table hockey game for christmas I never did, but I had a friend who did, and like we went to his house like every day to play. It was really cool. But no, you know, I grew up in New York City in an apartment, so it was like space was at a premium, and I never even asked for it. I did get a table soccer game one year, but not not a hockey one. I ended up getting a hockey one years later, but you got to play with somebody, you know. You know yeah. So one of those things where like it's not a great game if you, if you're alone, so you have to have your friends come over, and then it's funny like. By the time I would have got, I would have been really into the table hockey. Then EA Sports was doing. I had a Sega Genesis. I was doing EA hockey, and so that mm -hmm. you know, so things got a little bit more uh, technology-wise. They got a little bit better, and that we played forever and ever. I mean, NHL '92, mm -hmm. three with the break the glass. Mm -hmm. I mean that that's that's classic. So let's see here. Uh, Randy Patterson via Twitter says. Johnny Bowers signed photo mounted on a plaque with a Maple Leafs puck. The wife got me that one year, the year that Johnny Bauer passed away. So it's a, like a signed autographed photo with the puck mounted next to it. And then like a little like engraved thing, you know, a little engraved tag. So that's kind of a cool thing. Paulo, AKA Captain Crash 83 on Twitter says, we'll never forget getting tickets to my first NHL game against the Hartford Whalers at the Montreal Forum, March 24th, 
1993, Habs won 6-5 in overtime. That would have been a good year to see the Habs. That was the year they won the cup, the last year they won the cup. You know, it's funny. I got, I got, I used to get tickets to Ranger games on Christmas sometimes when I got older because it was so expensive. It was the kind of thing where it's like, what do you want for Christmas? Like, oh, you know, just give me Ranger tickets. And so it's funny because then you remember the game pretty vividly because you go to like one game a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I got lucky in 1990. I got to see the Rangers play the Soviet Wings. So that was, Ooh. remember when those came on tour i do uh, yeah and so they played on new year's day at the garden and the rangers lost three to one and the rangers sat out james patrick brian leach and their starting goalie john van beesbrook and they played mike richter instead who was a super young goalie back in 1990. And it was great because you know these you never saw russian players before and then i got the program i remember and then it wasn't until years later like 10 years later, I'm looking through the, the book and look at the rosters and who's on the other team, but Sergei Nemchinov. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, they must have been scouting him or they maybe they scouted him off that game or who knows, but he'd end up on the, the cup winning team in 94. So, but, yeah, so I always remember that. And I remember going to the game. It was like one of these 130 games on New Year's Day. And like New York is like basically half empty because everyone's still either sleeping or hungover. So, and I was only 14 years old. So I was a freshman in high school. It was cool. It was, it was a lot of fun. So um, let's see here. So Matt P says hundred percent. The time my uncle gave me uh, tickets to see the Canucks versus the Penguins at the old Coliseum. It was my first NHL game. And I got to see at least seven or eight future hall of famers take the ice that day. So another ticket story. Seven or eight future Hall of Fame. That had to be in like the early to mid nineties then. Yeah, you had to have like Lemieux Yager, Ronnie Paul Francis, Paul Coffee. Paul Coffee, Coffee. Yeah. Trottier, Larry Brasso. Yeah. Brasso, yeah. Had almost the entire penguins roster. <laughs> <laughs> well, starting lineup anyway. That's well, scary to think about. Speaking of Penguins and starting lineup, so via uh, the blog, uh, John C. said, looking forward to your annual holiday episode. My best memory of a hockey gift was the Mario Lemieux starting lineup figure. It was 1994, and Lemieux was such an icon. My friends all loved Gretzky. We know Super Mario was the best. If not for being injured, who knows what else he could have done. So yeah, starting lineup figure for Christmas. That's that's up on the wall over here. Yeah, got that, got that Mario Lemieux starting lineup figure there. Yeah, there, I was, huh? there was that phrase a couple of years ago. People looking to get the trading card out of those starting lineups um, and grading them, which was silly, but whatever. Well, I mean, yes, and crack no. it out of the package. It's no longer mint. Right. There's Nobody no wants the figure though. Nobody wants There's the no way that should be a 10. Yeah. It's out it of the range. Yeah, should be should be a 10. Uh another another memory here. Uh David L via the blog wrote, My fondest Christmas memory was in the late 80s and 90s when my parents would always get me a subscription and renewal to Hockey Digest magazine. Loved reading that thing. I don't know if you guys ever read Hockey Digest. 
Oh yeah, I still have a bunch of mine for my subscription. They still that's have the one that's like super available. small, like the TV guy, right? Yeah. yeah, they were about that. Yeah, big. I remember those. Yeah, those were fun. Those are good. They always used to have a column called Who's Better, and they would compare two players to each other, and they would talk about their offensive game, their defensive game, the intangibles, and skating, and all, all that stuff. I thought those that was always fun. Like, you know, kind of like. You know, now everybody compares everybody, but back and everybody always compared everybody, but it was just so well done, you know. Um, oh, speaking of the uh bad hockey card hall of fame, uh, so Justin P writes, always loved that Doug Waite card. So the one of Doug Waite standing on the beach with his hockey stick and his skates over his shoulder. Remember opening packs of that one Christmas in the early 1990s? Upper deck was such a wonderful set in those early years. I always associate this card with Christmas. Thanks for rekindling a memory. So, yay. And via Instagram, David L. says, uh, David L., a.k.a. Nonstop Dave, says his favorite Christmas gift was a matted and framed poster of Maple Leafs mascot Carlton the Bear. It's like a color by number, but it looks really good. Like, I think guess his mom colored it in, but it looks like professionally done, like really good, like maybe painted or something. And, uh, you know, it's professionally ran, uh, uh, matted and framed. And Carlton's like roaring and like holding a hockey stick. Does not look like the cutesy little mascot that we see at the Maple Leafs games. It looks like kind of, kind of cool, actually. Kind of like a, like a, not anime style, but definitely a more serious rendition. The Owlaholic? via Twitter says that his favorite hockey holiday gift was the Coleco Stanley Cup hockey. My dad and I played it until every piece was worn out and the playing surface warped. It got to the point we were using tape to fix various components. I just wish I let him win more. Simon Holmes says, uh, I told this, this, I told the story last year, but I have another one. Christmas, 1989. My neighbor wrote for the Montreal Gazette and was friends with Larry Robinson. He got him to sign one of his sticks for me. I still have it displayed. Uh, Who wrote that? That was Simon Holmes via Twitter, oh, okay. a.k.a. MTL Simon 11. Yeah. I'm saving the last two here. They're hockey card-related stories. So I'm kind of saving these for the end. Because cards always seem to be kind of difficult, right? Like, oh, you might already have this card, or I don't know if they like this card, or they're expensive, or whatever. Jensen5 plus one, aka Jensen55 on Twitter, says that his favorite hockey gift was Opeachy sticker book, and he boxes stickers. I remember the smell of the glue still. I'd peel the sticker and take a sniff. I can see myself laying beside the tree filling the book up. I want to say it was uh, 1984 or 1985. Smelling the glue on the sticker backs. That's a new one. 84 or 85. Is that the, is that the one where Gretzky's holding the cup on that? Uh, I think, I think the 85 thought. one is the blue one that has like a montage of players on it. And the 84 might be the one with Gretzky on it. 84, 85. Because they won an 83-84. Yeah, I mean, those were great. I mean, those sticker albums were fun back then. So that's that's a good one. Okay, so another story. Our friend Super Mikeyo, a.k.a. at Super Mikeyo on Twitter, says, Years ago, 
when I was working for Sears, a department manager who didn't know me well at the time drew my name in the store Secret Santa. She didn't know what to get me. So after talking to some of the other girls at the store, uh, learned that I was a Montreal Canadiens fan and bought me the first hockey card I got in my adult life, a Carey Price Young Guns. I guess the girls told her I would be so happy I would cry when I got it. When it came time to open the gifts from the Secret Santa at the store Christmas party, she had a weird look on her face and stared at me while I opened it and was legitimately disappointed when I didn't weep. I still have the card on my wall till this day, and it sparked my adult life of collecting, which I now cry about because of the prices of the current product. So her plan kind of worked anyway in the long run. I was hoping that this story would also like launch into like how he married this woman, but I guess not. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. That would have been such a great story. Not that you know, not that the card isn't great. I mean, don't get me wrong, but but yep. yeah, I, I, I figured it was fine, you know, because of the card. Yeah, I thought the last sentence was going to end up being, and fifteen years later, we're still married. And right, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, guys. I mean, sometimes just a story about getting a Carey Price Young Gun rookie card for Christmas is just that, you know. It's not one yeah, of those how, how, how I met so my Walmart Christmas movies, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I yeah. Went, it, would be called, really it would be called The Price of Love. And it would it would have a cameo by Carrie Price, would be that in would it. be like, great. That would be priceless. Oh god. No, that would be a movie without him. It's priceless. Oh yeah, priceless oh. would be without him. Yeah, but I mean that could totally could, could totally see that on CBC or CBC Gem. You know, like you want to know something stupid about all that? Hmm. So, like my my TV at work that I just use for background noise, it's got that Samsung TV like preloaded on it with all the channels oh, all that it has, mm -hmm. channels, and yeah. it doesn't matter what channel I turn it on. The next day when I turn the TV back on, it's automatically reset to the Movie Hub channel, which all it shows is Christmas movies. Right, and sometimes I just don't change it because I just turn it on and I forget that it's on. And I'll, I'll happen to just like look up from what I'm doing and I'll go, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen in my life. And I'm quickly trying to find something to change it to. But like it, it wants me to watch these movies and I refuse. So someone has a hidden agenda. They're like, going to brainwash Tim into watching these Christmas romance movies. They're trying to soften me somehow, but yeah. it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You hear me? It's not going to work. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, you guys got any last stories you maybe want to share before we wrap it up? Clemente, I don't think you've done one of these Christmas episodes with us before. So you talked about Ranger yeah. tickets. Yeah, I've been, you know, it's funny. I was supposed to be on this Christmas show last year and I couldn't, I couldn't be on. So I feel like a year in the making. So no pressure. No, you know, like the covering the World Cup or something that year. I was. I remember you, you emailing me and saying, hey, we're recording. I forgot what. And I was like, yeah, I'm in Qatar. I'm at the World Cup. And it's like, I don't know. You play Guitar? And you were like, oh, don't worry about it then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're covering the World Cup. I mean, oh, that was like that's... a year ago this week. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yeah it's kind of so fun. you're not covering it this year, huh? Well, the World Cup is every four years. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you screwed up or something. Like, I'm a year late. 
the interesting thing about being in a, in a, in a country in the Middle East is that it was Christmas time and there was no decorations or anything. So it, it felt like it didn't feel like Christmas at all. And then I went to this mall and, you know, they have these gigantic malls there. And I go I go to the mall and what do they have in the middle of the mall but a big like ice skating rink? Nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, I had to come all the way in the middle of the desert to find ice. But so it was cool. No, the first, you know, it's funny, the first hockey related gift I ever got. So like most of us, most of the stuff I got as a kid was mostly Star Wars stuff, you know, and I have some that still, if you can believe it, I, I, well, Sal, you will believe it, but um, yeah, but the first time I ever got a hockey related thing was, I must have been like 12 years old and I got this VHS tape. So I didn't have cable TV as a kid, as a young kid. And I only watched the Rangers on at the time was Channel Nine in New York. So they had, some games were on free TV, on the local TV. This is pre MSG days, pre I mean I guess Sports that Channel. Been, done, been a WOR. WOR Channel we Nine. Used, we used to get yeah. that in Chicago, but they'd always black out the Rangers games. But we used to get that channel because it's a superstation. Right, and that that was the kind of channel that would show like. They would show like Bruce Lee movies, and like I love that channel growing up because it was like oh, everything I love is on this on this channel. So we my had parents got too. me, yeah. So my parents got me a VHS tape of this hockey video, like a thirty-minute compilation video. It was called "Hockey: The Lighter Side," and it was hosted by John Davidson, Rangers yes. legend. And I remember like getting up Christmas morning, and everyone was sleeping in my house, and I popped it in. And I was like in heaven. It was like 30 minutes of just like hockey highlights. And I mean, now it's funny because now you can like type that into YouTube and it's like you can watch it on YouTube. But back then it was like, I still had the VHS tape. Uh, I can't play it anywhere, but I have this relic of this like bygone era of like, oh, look, like funny videos slash great goals slash like biggest moments. I mean, even Ron Hextall's goalie goal is in that is in that video. So yeah, that was like, I, I still remember that morning getting up and like watching this thing. And it was like, and then like just last year, I remember after you contacted me, I couldn't, I couldn't get on the show. I remember thinking, ah, if, I, if I'd been on the show, I would have mentioned this video. And I remember pulling into YouTube, typing it in and then just watching it all over again. And I hadn't watched it in like 25 years, maybe more. And so if anyone's yeah, never hockey, the lighter side, mm-hmm hosted by john davidson it's it's a gem it's a true gem of the 80s yeah i i remember getting that for uh eighth grade graduation present in uh in 89 and uh like i remember there's like a compilation of just like players accidentally knocking over refs yes uh, you know or knocking the them over into the into the boards into the bench you know whatever. yeah accidental of course dennis weidman was not a player back then in, in right. the league but like yeah so like like accidentally like knocking into refs knocking over refs stuff like that you know just collateral damage more than anything and that was a fun video and that was before you could just like go on youtube and find a clip of something. So, you know, there might be just like, you know, a compilation of like players falling or just interesting things. Like you said, like Ron Hextall scoring the goalie goal and, and stuff like that. I remember Chris Chelios mugging the camera and like, just like a bunch of like funny, stupid stuff that, you know, especially as a kid, you would have found that funny to just see like a less serious side of 
the game, you know, because we forget that these players are also people with like senses of humor and stuff like that. Like that was a cool thing to get. Yeah, it was it was fun. And it was one of those things where, yeah, you couldn't get that anywhere. And it was like, oh, and, you know, it's funny because it's 30 minutes long. But in my memory, it felt, it felt like a much longer tape, longer video. Mm -hmm. And then I'm pulling it up on YouTube and going, oh, 28 minutes. That's all it is. But I must have watched it a million times. Not just that more. I mean, just for for a while. Yeah, it's pre, you know, pre highlights, pre, you know, internet, pre phone, pre everything. So, yeah. And if you wanted to immortalize anything, you had to record it yourself. So, so this was nice. I had a Rock'em Sock'em tape. Yes. Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em Hockey. I have volume two. I don't remember which one I had. It had to be from like 88 or 89. So it was black and it just had him in his coach's jacket. I had that and then I had the um, Penguins Stanley Cup VHSs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like one, one for the memories or something like that or against uh -huh. all odds. I think it was called against all odds is what it was called. We used to rent those videos from the video store all the time. I remember the smart hockey with Mike Bossy one that we always laughed at because the cover of it looked like two stick figures doing naughty things to each other. We used to think it was funny. You ever see that video? You have to look it up if you can find it. I um, have I'm afraid to Google that. But yeah, uh, smart yeah. smart hockey with Mike Bossy was the video. So all right, I think we should wrap this one up. Any last thoughts, guys? We've uh, went through all of our uh submissions from our listeners thank you for sharing your hockey stories with us by the way those of you who did i appreciate it those of you who didn't well maybe you'll get something this year and you'll tell us about it next year but anything else gents nope just if uh, this is the last show you listen to prior to christmas merry christmas to all and to all a good night yeah happy holidays hope you get lots of fun hockey stuff and we'll talk about it next year yeah all right, yeah, this will probably be our last episode until the new year. So uh, happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Podcast. If you'd like to get us a gift, what would be better than the gift of writing us a review on Apple iTunes or on Spotify or on Amazon Music or wherever you listen to this podcast, you know, just giving us a five-star rating and, you know, taking the 45 seconds to write about what a great show this is and and how you can't wait for it and stuff because believe it or not those reviews help push us up so that when people are looking for new podcasts we get recommended so i don't ask for much i do somebody needs to send me a little new box bottom rookie card <laughs> anybody know anyone that has one <laughs> i do but i'm not telling <laughs> All right, folks, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.